This is a message from the ministry of the International Baptist Church of Debrecen. For more information about our church, visit ibcdebrecen.com. Good afternoon to you all. It's good to, good to see you all here in church. We, uh, we are studying a really very interesting uh, series today, or th- these couple of weeks actually, in uh, the book of Revelation, the, the seven letters to uh, the seven churches. But um, I hope that um, most of you were also present two weeks ago uh, when it was about the first chapter of Revelation, because in fact that explains a lot in order to understand the content of these seven letters also. So last week we, uh, we heard about the letter to uh, Ephesus, which uh, Roman shared with us. Today we got to the second letter, which is the letter of, uh, to Smyrna. And uh, we want to read that from the second chapter from verse 8 on. So if you have your Bible with me, with you, please read with me. Or if you don't, you can read from the screen also. To the angel of the church in Smyrna writes, These are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews, but are not, but they are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. So it's not a very long letter, but it has a great content. Um, Like we just could see in the introduction also already, Uh, The book of Revelation is a book of comfort and encouragement for the believers, not only those in uh, the first century who got this letter as first, but even for Christians throughout the ages, even for us today. So it's good to keep that in mind, that it's about encouragement and comfort, and and not in the first place about uh, fortune-telling or something. Of course, Revelation also tells a lot about the future, the things that are about to happen, but it's not like a a guideline to, to do some fortune telling. The main focus is to encourage and comfort the believers. What, what Jesus wants to show in this revelation, I mean, many times we say it's the revelation of John. Well, that's not particularly true. It's the revelation of Jesus to John. And what Jesus wants to show in this book, in this letter, is his power and, and his authority to encourage believers, to help them persevere. So this letter actually wants to uh, encourage believers to to focus their eyes on Jesus, not not just look at their their own circumstances, but focus on Jesus, who is victorious and who has it all under his control. Now, in the first chapter, we could see that uh, John, who was uh, in exile on the island of Patmos, had a personal encounter with Jesus. And um, at a point when, Je- when Jesus appeared to him, he heard a voice behind him. So it was first the voice that he heard. And then he looked around. And it's very interesting when you read, the first thing that he sees 
it's not actually Jesus himself, but seven lampstands. And Jesus wa walking amidst of those lampstands. Now, these lampstands, Jesus later on explains, they uh, represent the seven churches to which John has to write a letter. So that in itself is already a very interesting thing, that churches are being represented as lampstands, like things that give light in the darkness. That's, that's a church supposed to be, light in the darkness, because Jesus is there. He is the light of the world himself, and he says to his believers, his disciples, you, you are the light of the world because of him, because of Jesus himself. So also this church, this church of um, Smyrna, is a light in the darkness. Now, in order to, um, to get to know something about this church, I, uh, I brought a map. Exactly. So, can we see the map, Ispan? Here it is. I, I heard last week you also saw a map, right? Well, it's good to get some geographic knowledge. Here you can see the, the seven churches to which John wrote. The island of Patmos is somewhere around here. So there's quite some distance between the shore and the island. John could not get there without any permission. These are the seven churches that he wrote letters to. Now, some of them we also know from the letters of Paul already, but others, well, apparently the gospel spread by itself from those churches like Ephesus or Laodicea is very close to the church of uh, uh, um, Colossians. Probably from those churches, the, the gospel spread throughout the area and churches were planted in all of, these, all of these cities. Last week, we read a letter to Ephesus. Um, at that time, it used to be a harbor city, one of the most important cities in the Roman Empire at that time. Today, we look at Smyrna, which is also a harbor city. Now, I don't know if any of you has ever been to a harbor city, but those cities are usually very busy places. It's coming and going. There's a lot of merchandise going on, um, people staying in town for, for a little while, people going again. Um, many times very, very vivid uh, merchandise, um, hotels, things like that. With that, of course, also uh, prostitution going on. I mean, that's the common thing in, in, those, kind of, uh, in those kind of places. Smyrna was actually a pretty rich city. In fact, it was called the crown of Asia. This is Asia, Smyrna, the crown of Asia. Well, that, that tells you something about the wealth in that city. And that was not in the least place because of the Jewish community that was in that city. It was a pretty large community. And I don't know if you know anything about Jews throughout history, but they are usually the, the wealthy part of society. That was also the case in Smyrna. And this Jewish community annually donated a huge amount to the local city to beautify the city even more. So th these Jews, they had a very influential position in the city of Smyrna. Now, what you see here is that those Jews in the letter to the church of Smyrna play an important role. Um, many times when, or actually always, when the, the gospel was brought to a certain city, um, that was Paul's standard approach. When he came to a new city, he would first see if there was a synagogue, if there were any Jews in that city, 
and he would preach the gospel in the synagogues. He would preach that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets, and he would call the Jews to come to faith in Christ. Now, many times some of the Jews would accept it, but mostly a majority of the Jews would not accept. So there became division in the synagogue, and mostly the Christians would go apart, have their church of their own. Uh, that, that almost happens in every place where, where Paul preached the gospel. First he went to the, to the Jews, and if they rejected it, then he would turn to the Gentiles. So the Church of Christians became a mixed church of Jews and Gentiles together. Now here you see that those Jews that stayed behind in the synagogue, they were very reproachful and revengeful towards those new believers. It says that they, uh, they, they started to oppose those new believers. Apparently they, they were not happy with the fact that a number of their believers from their synagogue went to some other church, in their eyes perhaps some kind of a sect, and they, they started to gossip about those people. They tried to spread slander in the city, and because their position uh, in, in, the, in the town, because of their, uh, their wealth and their influence, they could influence the other people in the city, specifically the leaders also. So this meant that these Christians, they, they, became in a, they got into a very dangerous position there where they, they suffered all kinds of damage. Like uh, the good jobs would not go to a Christian anymore because those Jews had spread bad rumors about those people. They impoverished and eventually it came even so far that, that some of them were, were put into jail. Christians in Smyrna physically and literally suffered oppression and exclusion, economic exclusion. So believing in Jesus, being part of the church there, really meant a, a sacrifice. And then they receive this letter from Jesus himself. You know what Jesus, what Jesus starts saying to them? I know your affliction and your poverty. In the midst of that situation, where they suffer economic exclusion and societal oppression, the letter of Jesus comes to them and he says, I know. I'm not far off looking at your suffering and feeling pity for you. And No, I know. I'm there. I'm in the midst of it. And I'm attentive to it. I know your afflictions and your poverty. That, that is a huge comfort for those believers in that church at that time. Especially when you, when you see how Jesus introduced himself in the previous chapter. He, he is the resurrected one. He is the one who has all power. He is the one who, who sits on his throne in glory. Nothing in this world can ever go above him. And you, believers... You belong to me, and I know what you are going through. I am there with you. I don't know if you, um, if you already noticed, but every single letter that Jesus sends to one of the churches has a, a different heading. When we go through this uh, the next coming weeks, just, just pay attention to it. Every single letter has a different heading, 
And every single heading refers back to one of the elements that you read in chapter one, the way how Jesus presented himself to, uh, to John. Here it says in the letter to, uh, to Smyrna, these are the words of him who is the first and the last who died and came to life again. Now, if you have your Bible with you, please turn back with me to chapter one and look at um, verse nine. I'm sorry, I made a mistake. It's um, verse 18. It's at a point where, Jesus, where um, Jesus appears to John and John turns around to see, to see Jesus and it says in verse, uh, verse 18, 17 and 18, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though that. He placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and behold, I am alive forever and ever. So here you see that Jesus picks out that element of his presentation to John as the heading to the church of Smyrna. In other words, this Jesus who has defeated death is stronger, more powerful and mightier than anything that exists in this world. Nothing can defeat him. And you know what? This Jesus says to them, I know your affliction and your suffering and your poverty. He's in the midst of it. He's there. He's present. And this church of Smyrna, they put their hope and their trust and their faith in this Jesus. I know your afflictions and your poverty. Yet you are rich. You know, this, um, this affliction and this poverty that these people suffer, that's, that's the outward picture that you see of the church in that city. But with this letter, Jesus looks a level deeper. He looks at the, the invisible picture. And there he sees they are rich. You know why? Because they have him. They have Jesus. And when you have Jesus... You're the most lucky, the most happy, and the richest person here in this world. With him you have everything. Like we just heard from uh, the book of Galatians. With him we are heirs of the almighty God. Did, did you ever consider that? That in Jesus you are heir of God. Let me ask you, how, how rich do you think God is? Very rich. How much does he own? He owns everything. He owns everything. Everything that's in this world. Every single gram of gold that can be found. Every single diamond or jewel that can be found. In fact, he owns the entire planet. He owns the stars and the planets. Everything that there is, it's his. And you are his heir you know what that means it's all gonna be yours so how rich are you well look at my daddy he's the richest one in this world i know your affliction and your poverty but you are rich 
Just look at the invisible level. They are rich because they have Jesus. And they hold on to him. They, they grow in him. They, they get firm in him. Because of the afflictions and because of the persecution. When um, Jesus sends uh, these letters to these churches, seven in total, there are two churches that get no reproach at all from Jesus. It's Smyrna and Philadelphia. Smyrna is one of the two. The other letters all have good things, but also some bad things that Jesus says, I have something against you that, and then, then it follows. But Smyrna does not get any any reproach at all. In that church, Jesus stands at the center. He's at the center of their faith. He's at the center of their life. He is at the center of their church. Through the afflictions and through the difficulties and the persecution. In fact, these persecutions were the, the cause of it, that they, that they grew closer to Jesus himself. Um, when Jesus was in this world, he, um, he once said a parable about also afflictions and, and persecution. You can find it in, um, in Matthew 13. It's, um, it's a parable about, about seed. The sower went out to sow seed and some of it fell next to the road. Some of it fell in shallow ground. Other fell between the thorns and the thistles and a part fell in the good ground. Well, Jesus explains that the seed that's, that falls into shallow ground like um, people that hear the word of God, but then the sun starts to burn, they suffer difficulties, they suffer afflictions, and their faith withers because it has no deep roots and the plant dies. Jesus says that's, that's what happens in uh, verse 20 of that, um, of that chapter. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man whose heart hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no roots, he lasts only a short time. When trouble, persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. He falls away. Persecution in a Christian life is not something to be amazed about, like, how can this ever happen? Now, Jesus already said in, in Matthew 6, in fact, be, be happy and, and rejoice when you suffer because of this gospel. Because this is what they also did with the, the prophets who were before you. In fact, the persecution, Jesus says, is a sign <laughs> that you are on the good side, on his side. And one more thing in, uh, in John 15. It's um, at a point where Jesus is having last supper with, uh, with his disciples. He says in verse 18 and 19, if the world hates you, if you suffer persecution and suffering, keep in mind that it hated me first. Okay, so that's the reason behind the persecution and suffering. You belong to Jesus and the world doesn't like him, so they don't, don't like you either. If you belong to the world, it would have loved you as its own. As it, is, as it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. 
So persecution and suffering for Christians is because they belong to Jesus. Jesus is the reason for their, for their suffering. And sometimes persecution comes from, from the outside, from, from the world, like uh, what they suffered in, in societal oppression. Sometimes it can even come from, from within, like what they experienced from, from the synagogue, this, this slander and, and gossip which made their position in society even more difficult. If it, if it makes if it makes life even even impossible for for those uh, for those Christians, if if they don't have roots, they might fall away. So in fact, the, the persecution can can have two two kinds of effect: either people fall away from the faith, like Jesus said in this parable, or or they grow stronger in their faith. They they stick more to Jesus, and you know. You know, that, that can only happen if through the difficulty, through the, the sunshine on, on, the, on the new plant, it, it makes its roots go, go deeper. Go look for, for where it can, can find water. It, go, it goes around the rock in the soil to go deeper to find water. That's, that's the purpose that persecution actually has. That we grow, grow deeper in intimacy with Jesus himself. There are great, um, great parables about this, um, this image in the Bible. In fact, the book of Psalms itself starts with it. Uh, the man who rejoices in the law of the Lord is like a tree that's planted beside the water and his leaves will not fall. He will stay green. Why? Because he is next to that, to that river, to that water where he can find his... Uh, his life, his, his source. In um, Jeremiah 17, it's a, it's a great chapter. Um, he also speaks about, about this same image. In fact, this was the, the chapter that was uh, preached from when we had our uh, wedding service. So I remember it quite well. Um, verse 7 and 8 in that chapter. And these are really great verses to, uh, to remember. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. Okay, so the plant grows its roots deeper to where water can be found. And what's the consequence of that? It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worry in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. So. So this really shows about the, the secret of persevering even in time of affliction and persecution. Growing deeper roots towards the source of water, towards the source of life, <laughs> towards Jesus. And in fact, I believe that that's, that's the goal that God has with the life of each and every one of us. That through the things that we experience, we would grow in, in a closer relationship with him, in closer intimacy with him, in faith, in, in obedience to him, in trust in him, in intimacy in him. How does that happen? Well, through trials, through affliction, through persecution, things that we don't like, things that we, we would rather avoid in our lives. 
but still God, God wants to, to work through it. And he encourages this church here in, in Smyrna, do not be afraid of, of what you will be suffering. So there's even more ahead. Well, yes, they have shown perseverance already, and God wants to make it even stronger for them. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. And he says, um, some, of, some of you will be, will be put into prison. Um, now, you need to know at that time, if people went to prison, it was not because you were sentenced for five or ten years or something. No, a prison was the, the, the fourth stage for your death sentence. So prison meant, okay, I'm about to die. Do not be afraid of what you are about uh, to suffer. Be faithful even to death. That means that persecution and persevering in persecution not always results in survival. <laughs> it may end in death. The devil will put some of you in prison. Be faithful even to the point of death. And I will give you life as your victor's crown. Like Paul also wrote in um, the letter to uh, Philippians already in the first chapter, life to me is Christ. And to die, well, that's gain. I don't know if you ever uh, viewed your own life like that. We, of course, we, we very much stick to life. We want to uh, protect our own life. We, we feed our own body to stay alive. We, we want life. But, but this sentence, life to me is Christ. And to die is gain. Because it means that through Christ, I will enter eternal glory. I'm not going to ask you what you would rather choose right now at this moment, but just think for it yourself. Life to me is Christ, and to die is gain. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Oh, and in the persecution, Jesus says, it will be for 10 days. Now, I don't know if that's a specific time frame of one and a half week. What it does say is that it's a limited time. It will not go on forever. And he's in control. It only takes as long as he allows it. So trust him that, that he is in control, even, even over time. Who is victorious will not be hurt at all by second death. Second death. So there are more deaths then? Well, yes, the first death means that your body is separated from your spirit. But then Revelation speaks about uh, second death still, and you can find it at the, uh, at the end of the book in, uh, in chapter 20, where Jesus speaks about um, the final judgment. And it says in verse um, 13 and 14, the sea gave up all their dead, the Hades and death itself gave up their death, and each person was judged according to what he had done in verse 14. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire, and the lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So the lake of fire, or the second death, actually means the the final separation 
from God himself and with that from, from life itself. Anyone whose name was not found to be written in the book of life had to taste the second death. So who's victorious? Who can avoid that to suffer second death? Well, the one who holds on to Jesus. The one who is rich in Jesus. In the midst of the affliction and in the midst of the poverty. How do you do that? Well, remember that, that symbol of that plant. That suffers the heat of the sun. That suffers difficulty. And because of that, sends out its roots deeper to where the water is. Send out your roots deeper to your source, to Jesus, to where life is. And practice this intimacy with Jesus every day th through, through the Bible, through prayer, through, through fellowship like here, through, through giving time, money, energy to him. To me, life is Jesus. Practice that. Make, make it very practical in, in everyday life. That's, that's the way how your roots grow deeper and how you will become persevering. Putting Jesus at the center of your life. He on the throne. The Almighty One. The Everlasting One. He comes to you this afternoon and He says to you, I know. I know what you're going through. I know where you are. Hold on. Be faithful, even to the point of death. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, we worship and adore you as the almighty God. You are the one who was dead, but you rose again, and you are alive forever and ever. You are Lord over all. There's no one higher or more powerful than you. And this afternoon you come to us and say to each and every one of us, in the midst of what we are going through, I know. Lord Jesus, you, you are our comfort. You are our hope. And you give us new strength over and over again. We want to, to send out our roots deeper to you, Lord Jesus, so we can find new life in you. Even if we feel down or oppressed, or we, we suffer difficulties, because of people around us or other, other kinds of difficulties. Lord Jesus, you are our source and we want to get closer to you. Help us to, to practice this intimacy with you, Lord Jesus, and experience that you fill us with new life, a new hope, and new joy. We want to put you at the center of it all. To me, life is Christ. Lord Jesus, come and have your will in us. Take your place in our lives and let your name be glorified. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for lending us your ears and your time today. If your curiosity has been piqued and you'd like to learn more about our church and the work we do, please feel free to visit our website at ibcdebretson.com. Better yet, we warmly invite you to join us in person and experience our community firsthand. We look forward to welcoming you 